Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the J&J Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jaworski, joined, as always, by my muted friend. He's not actually mute. He is muted on the call, Justin Carroll, trying to stretch this out so I can ask him how his <laughs> night is going. Justin, Wednesday night, how you feeling? You know, Wednesday night, honestly, I'm pretty tired. But other than that, I'm feeling pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Really good episode of NXT today. Um, what else happened? You know, I'm feeling just A-OK today, I guess. There you go. I'm, a, uh, I'm not as tired. I don't think... I think watching a two-hour wrestling show compared to a three-hour wrestling show just puts me in that, like, circle of, like, yeah, I'm not really tired. Like, I could watch, like... A movie or something after it, but three hours, forget it. Like um, it's over. Oh God, no! Yeah, exactly. Especially when it when you have the three-hour wrestling show. <laughs> that's just that's just horrendous. No, no you. Oh, what? I was teeing up the our favorite commercial. What the hey that thing? No. What's when our favorite commercial? When there's a three-hour wrestling oh, show on oh. TV. Must be Monday. Must be Monday. You know, there we go. Real, real quick, uh, we're going to keep this under an hour. I promised everybody my new favorite commercial is, I forget the, the brand, but they're in the house, and they have two problems. They're like, this is a great house, but we only have one problem. We have a rat problem. And then they have the band Rat. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's pretty sweet. I love that commercial. It's a Geico commercial, I believe. Geico. And then the other one, they're like, we get a bad clog problem. And then it's like the people clogging on the roof. I think that's the most creative commercial I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, Jaworski. Come on, it's pretty good. I like the rat one better, though. Cause it's kinda yeah, like the rat so, one like, is way better. It's kind of so ridiculous where it's, like, funny. Yeah, yeah. I saw it a few times tonight during AEW on TNT television, of course. I don't know if they show it on USA. I think they just promote all the terrible no, psych reruns. I no. think they just promote all the terrible psych reruns. And he's like, <laughs> I'm having a psychedelic flashback. I'm sensing something. No, they don't. I think they only mentioned it once. That might have been it. Tuesday, every Tuesday, a psych rerun marathon. Oh, no. Sensing something. It's just a fart. Uh, anyway. We have AEW and NXT for June 3rd. It's June already, hard to believe. Uh, We did get some news on Fighter Fest for AEW as we have TakeOver in your house on Sunday. Uh, Fighter Fest will be a two-week event, correct? Yeah. Uh, July 1st and July 8th at 10 o'clock, each to their own on TNT television. I only assume this will be taped. Uh, I think we did talk about this before the podcast, but hey, you know, wrestling right now, uh, well, I mean, AEW's hit or miss, mostly miss, but 10 o'clock, I like that kind of late, you know, prime time. I don't know. I'm not so sure if it's prime time, but I kind of like later things later on in the day so I can have, you know, just the whole day to prepare and I can just sit back and relax at 10 o'clock. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me? Fighter Fest is on at 10. That's what it said. AEW, 10, TNT. 10 oh o'clock. my God. We're going to be up till like 2 a.m. recording then. Because we're going to have to watch that. Then we're going to have to record. Um, we're probably going to trash on it. That's going to be, oh my God. That's going to be a long day for us. A long two days. Well, I mean, to be fair, we do have all day to rest up for. Wow, I couldn't get that without burping. I couldn't get that sentence out. We have all day to rest up for it, to be fair. That is true, yeah. To be fair, WrestleMania was a combined seven hours back-to-back days. I know we weren't here for it quite yet, but had we actually done it, we would have been a little pickle there, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to feel about that. Hopefully they stay under two hours. I just, I get having a show like two days back to back like Wrestle Kingdom's like that Mania was like that this year but for Fire Fest to be one week and then another week I guess it can build some anticipation 
But I don't know exactly how to feel about that. Yeah, it sure isn't Wrestle Kingdom, and it sure isn't WrestleMania. So, I mean, hopefully we can, like, keep it. Maybe it'll be, like, you know, an hour. No, definitely not. But, you know, two hours, I hope. If it's anything longer than that, I don't know if we can review it. I don't know if I can take another AEW quote-unquote pay-per-view, even though we're not paying for it, even though it'll probably stink as equally as uh, Double or Nothing did, that's for sure. Exactly. Okay, do you want to get into this? Not really. <laughs> well, AEW, I'll get into NXT then. Well, I would, I would just want to skip to the main event and then call it a night. Really? Yeah, really. Jaworski, we, we had a job to do. But we can't do that because we have to trash on this. How about we quickly review AEW and NXT? Let's the... go as fast as we can, but not, not as fast, as succinctly as we can. Yes, you know what that, exactly. That's a big word. That's a big that is word. a big you know word. What it means? Of course I do. Okay, let's get into it. What does it mean, then? Let's get into it. You don't know what it means. Anyway, okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, NXT. We open up with the fans chanting, NXT, NXT, per usual. Candice LeRae and Mia Yim. And the first thing I wrote is, oh no. So Candice, <laughs> so Candice beats up Mia Yim a little bit before the match. Like, they're just catfighting. And then Mia Yim's just like, you know, she touches her mouth. Looks like she, if she's bleeding or not. She's just like, all right, let's do this thing. Then Mia Yim unloads on Candice. Um, nothing too spectacular about this. This was just like a really quick five-minute match. Something else happened later on throughout this. I'm not going to spoil it just yet because we like to do match after match. But it ended up being a no contest because Candice LeRae and Mia Yim both got counted out. And as they were fighting to the ramp, a lot of girls ended up coming out. Like Shotzi and Tegan and Raquel and Dakota. Raquel, I believe, pushed it was Mia Yim, and then everyone else started to come out. Then they sort of fight back to the ring. Johnny Gargano and Keith Lee end up coming out. There's some fighting between them. Candice and Johnny escape from them. But then William Regal, not really William Regal, announces that it's going to be a mixed tag team match. And now I'm going to leave it up to you. Uh. Well, you, you said uh, there was nothing really exciting with that match. I could have told you that before it even started. Oh, okay. Well, why didn't you? Because the HBIC is B-O-R-I-N-G. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, I, very boring in charge, I was going to say. Yes. But B-O-R-I-N-G is even better. And Candice LeRae. Uh, no, I like Candice. I mean, this is definitely something different for her. She's not all that great, but she's all right. I I just, like, there's, like, I don't know. I understand, you know, she's trying to be the bad girl. But, like, I, if I can't resonate with her when she's, like, all the peppy cheerleader, like, I'm a good guy. And I can't do it when she's a bad, you know, quote, unquote, bad girl. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I, she, I just can't get behind her. I don't know what it is. It's funny that you mentioned that because I wrote in my notes that Mia Yim was looking more like the bad guy than Candace was. She was just doing very villain mannerisms. Um, if you watch the match back, you'll completely understand what I'm talking about. But Mia Yim just seemed like the bad guy in this match. And Candace seemed like the really sympathetic, like you just want to root for her. But it was really weird because I think Mia Yim is just a guy. Like... She can be hey, somewhat. Hey, no, Watch no, it. no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because I don't like using wrestling terminology on this. Well, no, you called her a guy, so. Oh, no, I don't mean it like that. You, no, you didn't I, even let I... me elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> so, she does. I don't know. She presents herself in this somewhat badass type of way. But then throughout her matches, she'll do real like bad things like something a bad guy would do and it's just i don't understand her it's just i mean can you agree with me on that 
Yeah, from the matches I've seen, it's just been kind of like, why would why are you doing that? Shouldn't your opponent be doing that? I mean, she's yeah. she's billed as being a good guy, and you, you want to root for her, but like, I don't want to root for her at all. Besides the fact that I'm not really that big of a fan of her, for one, but mm-hmm. like everything, her mannerisms in the ring, her move set in the ring, it's kind of like, why? Like, I don't want you to win. Why would I want you to win? You know, and I, and I completely yes. agree with you. Yes. But I don't want to spoil the mixed tag team match because it ended up being somewhat okay. But what happened over there at AEW? Well, what was not okay, a little worse and a little better than okay, but a little worse and good, uh, was the opening match, Omega and Hangman versus Havoc and Sabian, who were nowhere near deserving for a, a title shot. Uh, one thing I pointed out before we started to record, and I ranted a little, I should have saved it. Tony Schiavone said, Hangman and Omega are now getting along, even though uh, Hangman doesn't want to be in the shot with the Young Bucks. Uh, that's not what I ranted about before, but I just wanted to note that because, you know, sooner or later, you know, in all wrestling's fairy tales, uh, they're going to break up. I mean, sorry to spoil it for some of you, but it's just going to happen when. Uh, I don't really know, but who knows? Uh, you know, and I one thing I also mentioned too, uh, I miss Kenny Omega's Terminator uh, theme from Japan. I don't know if that's just me being a wrestling uh, M-A-R-K, but I like that song. I, I really do like his old theme. I don't know about Yeah, you. it was a banger, not gonna lie. I mean, I sort of like, I mean, I shouldn't say I sort of like, because I really haven't listened to it, but I remember the one time we went to AEW, and he wrestled on AEW Dark. I remember that I was like, I was bopping to the theme music. I was like, oh, okay, Omega's got a banger for a theme song. But I definitely think his New Japan theme song is way better. Yeah, I think they had a more of a character role in New Japan. And now he's just like Kenny Omega, the very boring guy who is a bad actor guy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, I Omega, I mean, besides the, I don't even want to say the Jericho match was standout at AEW for the number one contender spot. Uh, I think that uh, the tag match is probably the best match he's had, which is probably not, you know, not uh, like him because he's not supposed to be having great tag team matches. He's supposed to be a better singles guy, but I mean, I mean, wait, he's, he's talented either way, but like for him to have his best match in a tag team match for the, for the five star machine or whatever he is like, eh, I don't know if I can get behind him. Let's think about this though. New Japan has some phenomenal talent. They got guys like Okada, who's incredibly young and incredibly talented. You got guys like Tanahashi. You got Minoru Suzuki. You got Juice Robinson. Those guys can put on great matches. I think Omega is capable of having a really good match, but it's also that his opponents need to be as good, if not better, than him for it to be a, a over-average type of match. Yeah, even like Jericho. Like If that had happened, like, 20, I don't know. Jer- Omega wasn't even that big of a name, 2012, 2013. So, like, if they kind of met in the middle at, like, 2016 or 2015, that would have been a great match. You know, now Jericho limited as to what he can do. He can, they can still tell a great story. You know, the action inside the ring. I'm rambling now. I just get caught up in my own head as per yeah, usual. Yeah, we're, we're already going over. It's already at 23 for us. <laughs> uh, so... The best friends will face the tag champs at Fighter Fest. Not going to spoil who won. Uh, we see FDR in the crowd. Uh, there was a little bit more of following the rules here, so good on them. They're finally catching up. Oh. Kind of. We did have uh, some outside interference with Penelope Ford, though, which obviously we expected. She did at one point in the match try to hurricane run a hangman page from the top rope. She ended up getting thrown out when referee Rick Knox blatantly saw her hanging uh, or dangling from hangman's neck in the midst of a hurricane rana and hangman caught her why they weren't disqualified i don't really know that wouldn't be really following the rules so maybe i'm going to take back my word a little but the big part in this match it wasn't even in the match it was the 
commentators talking about how AEW has the best tag team division. Okay. Oh my god. Now I'm gonna go as quickly as possible as this, and all I have to say for this is in this match and the tag team champions, they are not a tag team. The number one contenders for the tag team titles are not a tag team. There's two people that have a shot at the belt and or have the belts that aren't a tag team. How are you going to tell me that AEW has the best tag team division ever when your tag team title match has two teams that are not a team that were just put together? How? How is that you the got- best tag team division ever? Yeah, exactly. You got guys like the Young Bucks. Then you got guys like FTR who recently just joined. Yeah, whoop-de-doo, Bowser. What does it all mean? On NXT, it is incredibly stacked. You got guys like Roddy and, um, oh my god, why am I blanking? Roddy and Kyle. You got Roddy and Bobby. You got Bobby and Kyle. All of them, great tag teams already, right? Then you got Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Um... Who else do we have there? Uh, Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink, if you can count them as NXT guys. Great tag teams. They're already better than the tag team division on AEW. I, I can completely understand where you're coming from, Jaworski. I don't... I can't even fathom that they call themselves or say that they have the best tag team division. Because in all honesty, they don't. I mean, if you looked on the list, I mean... Best friends, eh, they're very... Trent is phenomenal. Chuck Chuck downgrades him. I think they're inconsistent. I mean, especially after the match at Double or or Nothing. Yeah. Um, Private Party, they're getting there, I think. No, I think... I I can't really see too much improvement with them. Okay, well, other than that, I mean... Well, I mean, the Lucha Bros, I mean, they're... Oh, I mean, yeah, Lucha Bros are good. They're as good as it gets. I mean, FTR, yes. The Young Bucks, love them or hate them. I think if they get out of their own way, I think they're good. Yeah, they are. They are pretty good. But for them to just say that they have the greatest tag teams in the world, just completely false. They have the Dark Order. I mean, Yeah, come exactly. On. Like, yes. seriously? That's a joke. That is not... The best tag team in the world. That's that's like the Godwins. Like they were just like, hey, we're, we're a family now. We're gonna wrestle. Like they're like, like the Dark Order. I mean, no wonder why our good friend Jim Cornette calls them the Dark Order. Anyway, uh, there wasn't a ton talent wise in this match. I think Omega probably, you know, Omega and Hangman probably. Helped out Havoc and Sabian, who's okay, I think. I hate Jimmy Havoc, as we know. I mean, there should have been a disqualification in this match. I mean, Jimmy Havoc uses a wrench while the ref tries to get rid of Ford. Uh, Hangman. uh, And then Havoc introduced a hacksaw at one point, which, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just wrestle. Like, at least try. Like, don't play wrestler. Try. He can't. That's the thing. And anyway... Heyman hits the last call on Havoc. Uh, Omega hits the V-trigger on him simultaneously. I just wrote spaghetti because that's what this match looked like. Oh, it looked like spaghetti? <laughs> just like everything going everywhere. Like, it was like so much going on that was so unneeded. Uh, so, with that being said, you did not like this match? No, I, I, I don't like Jimmy Havoc to begin with. I don't think he's a good wrestler. I think he, you know... He's someone you you know stick on the the CZW card and you know people buy pay three dollars in a high school gym to watch him. That's 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 a, that's about as good as Jimmy Havoc should get. Not on <laughs> TNT national television. No way. Sabian's okay. Omega and Hangman. I'm sick of them. I think they. It, I think if they had a, a, a you know a feud between themselves, which I know is going to happen eventually, you know I, I'm in for that. But until we see it, actually see it, I'm out. So with that being said, we had some tag team action on AEW, but so did we over here at NXT. We got Mia Yim and Keith Lee against Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Johnny Gargano, he's in street clothes. He didn't expect William Regal to announce a uh, mixed tag team match, so he walks away. Keith Lee runs to him and picks him up. He's about to press slam him, 
But Candice jumps onto his shoulders, still manages from the ramp all the way to the ring, press slam him into the ring. They fight a little bit. Nothing too crazy happened throughout this, although one pretty insane thing happened. Keith Lee tried to powerbomb Johnny Gargano, and he... Oh, wait, excuse me. Wait, Jaworski, take over for a little bit. Someone's blasting music. What the hell? Anyway. Uh, so okay, never mind. Oh, <laughs> I just shut uh, my never window. Mind, then. Never mind. As soon as I opened my window, someone just started blasting music. But anywho... The man Johnny just Gargano, wants some air. Yeah, I know, exactly. Johnny Gargano realized that he had his keys in his pockets, jams his key into Keith Lee's face, uh-huh. ends up stumbling down. Candice LeRae is able to pull up... Oh, pull up. Roll up! <laughs> a distracted me again. And Keith Lee is hurt. Johnny Gargano takes his title, raises it nice and high, lays it back down, just throws his hands up in the air like, look what I could do, and look what might possibly happen at NXT TakeOver in your house. I mean, he, 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 the one match I saw with him and Dijakovic, he convinced me that he's a winner. So for him and Keith Lee, you know, I'm very excited for the match. I will say that. Johnny Gargano, you know, I said, how can this guy make me believe that he can beat Dijakovic? Sure enough, he sold me. He did. Pulled it off. Pulled it off. That is what I appreciate. Old-fashioned storytelling wrestling. Wrestling. (laughs) Sorry. Some people get offended when you call it wrestling. And whatever. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, back to AEW. We had a uh, segment with Sean Spears. Uh, it was on YouTube, I guess. Tully Blanchard is yelling at Spears, telling him that he needs to change. Uh, they go to a segment earlier. He has something. Uh, Tully had something for Sean Spears. He says the search for the real Sean Spears is over. There's a little uh, suitcase kind of box kind of deal. Uh, Tully says he found what Sean Spears was missing, and he gives him a black glove. And originally, I did not know the significance behind a black glove. Uh, I'm the Monday not, Night Messiah. I'm not familiar with Tully Blanchard's background, but uh, they they come back to the commentary saying how many prolific wrestlers had the black glove in play. So this will only help Sean Spears, which is a little ridiculous. I don't really, I mean, The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar having black gloves, I know that. It was just one black glove. I know Diesel had it too. Shawn Michaels, I think, wore gloves at one point. Barry Wyndham had one. I don't know what really the deep significance of this will be. You know, maybe they can finally make Sean Spears a legitimate, you know, sight on television. I don't really know. Maybe build him up on dark and then all of a sudden he's just back. Anyway, after this, we had uh, Brian Cage. Who can stop the path of Cage versus Sean Dean? Uh, Cage wins, of course. Uh, Squash, no surprise. Taz addresses Moxley after the match. Uh, I, I love what they're doing here with Cage and uh, Taz. I think they have similar demeanors. You know, Taz back in the day just being an absolute wrecking machine, wrecking ball. Cage is the same thing. Now, obviously, Taz is being paired with, you know, someone who he sees in himself. And I like the, how Taz uses his former line in ECW back in the day. You know, uh, what was it? Beat him if you may, survive if he lets you. That That's his tagline for Brian Cage to John Moxley, which I like it. I mean, it's a solid tagline. Moxley comes out. Moxley, they jab, verbal jab, basically. And he says his last line before walking out of the ring, Moxley says, before you think about calling him out, think about who you are before calling him out to the ring. And that was that. Moxley and Cage setting up for Fighter Fest, July 1st or the 8th. Ooh, okay. By my reaction, you can tell. See this face? Don't care. I'm going to try to keep it as quick as possible because I feel like we're overall elaborating a tiny, tiny bit. I'm going to get through this really quickly. Tommaso Ciampa, we got a nice little video package of him talking about carrying cross. It was pretty nice. Gotta admit. Sarah tries to interview Dexter Loomis, and I thought we were going to get a Bob Ross tutorial because he has, like, a little paint canvas, and he has Sharpies and whatnot. And then that is pretty much how the interview ends. But then we get another interview after the commercial break. And Drake is interviewing the same girl. And he is super ecstatic for his match tonight with El Hijo del Fantasma. 
Then we move into the prime target thing, which was mentioned last week. Didn't really know what to expect. Adam Cole is talking about how he's been champion for one whole year in NXT. A limo pulls up. Who do you think pops out of the limo, Jaworski? No clue. A limo. No. Kyle O'Reilly. He is now back. He looks Amish, but he is such a stud. I love Kyle. Why is someone FaceTiming me? Can you still hear me? Yes, I can still hear okay, you. Okay, someone's FaceTiming me at the moment. But we get the um, Bobby and Roddy are also in the limo. They're just celebrating. They want to talk <laughs> about how he's been a champ for one year. But then we move into Velveteen Dream, who is roller skating to prepare for his match. I thought that was a little weird. Um, yeah, else, I, I don't really else? remember rollerblading to prepare for anything in my entire life. Usually I just kind of go and do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> listen to music, maybe. <laughs> you know, so rollerblade. Yeah, exactly. Not rollerblading. It's just not a part of preparing for your match. I don't think it's appropriate. But then, Dream talks into a mirror. He does, like, the mirror, mirror on the wall. Uh, and then... Oh, give you a break. Wait until you hear this. The mirror changes, and it ends up turning into Prince, who's actually passed away. So I thought it was a little unbelievable. He starts to talk to Dream. Uh, it might be an alter ego type thing, because he's sort of a knockoff of Prince. I thought it was a little crazy. We get into another match between Isaiah Swerve Scott and Tony Nese, who have some beef because of some things that happened in previous weeks. This match was okay, a typical cruiserweight-type match. Jack Gallagher ends up coming out, rolls up to his sleeves. He wants to fight Isaiah Swerve Scott. Swerve ends up sunsetting, sunset flipping, I should say, over Tony Nese, gets the pin, and as Jack is about to run into the ring... He is able to escape, so he does not feel Jack Gallagher's wrath. And, yeah, that was pretty much it for that match. Yeah, Cruiserweights, not my thing. I think uh, I've established that with you, at least. I don't know with the fans, but Cruiserweights, tag teams, not my thing. Anyway, after the whole Moxley uh, debacle, I was going to say, I was going to say debate, debacle, I meant, we go to Lance Archer. Was seen beating up some rando, what looks like on the side of the highway or under an overpass. I don't know where it is. <laughs> in the middle of complete nowhere. Could be a soundstage. Uh, you know, he's beating up on some dude in a mask in the middle of nowhere. Very weird. Very unbelievable. Uh, uh, Jake Snake's there. He pushes, uh, he gets pushed out of the way by Lance Archer just for him to say that you want to know what the Murder Hawks next move is. And basically, it just says how he's on a mission. I don't really know why they needed him to be in, a, in the middle of nowhere for him to be beating someone up. I don't know why he just couldn't have been backstage. But I guess he's just been reaping the loss of the TNT title match. But why they didn't just have a rematch or why they won't have a rematch at some point, I don't know. Because I think that would be the perfect way to get the belt off Cody and have him go one-on-one with MJF one more time. That'd be great. Anyway, um, just my opinion. Then we have a private party and Matt Hardy recap. Uh, see where I'm going with this? Just wait. Uh, last week, how they <laughs> formed a special bond. We have a private party segment. They said they were in the VIP lounge, which I think might have been a little bit of a gimmick infringement. Uh, but oh, I don't of think course. They, I, I don't think they necessarily returned it. Uh, what? Returned? Returned? That's not the word. No. I don't. What word are you it, looking for? It. I, I can't remember. I just point. I, I don't think they inter- interned. I don't intended. know. Intended. Intended. I don't oh. think they intended to do that. I don't think they called their lounge the VIP lounge. I think they said like they have the VIP in the lounge. And it turned mm-hmm. out to be Matt Hardy. And Matt Hardy said he appreciates them. Uh, you know, for And they are the future of the tag team division. Which, again, I kind of rolled my eyes. But Private Party then said they had an idea. Matt Hardy goes, well, let's hear it. And then they, they said, the Hardy party. No, no. Yeah, they said that. So anyway, 
they do their thing. They do like weird team extreme moves, and Matt Hardy's like, "Yeah, I like it, boys. I like it. See you later. Good luck." <laughs> and then they go. He runs, not runs, but he he walks down the hallway. Sammy Guevara and is is in his push scooter, and he says, "Sammy, don't worry, brother. Much respect." And bows with his hands in a prayer formation, which was a little different. Uh, obviously, Matt Hardy wasn't Damascus. He wasn't broken. He was Matt Hardy version. Who knows? I don't know really, but. After this, we had a Cody recap interview slash a Jungle Boy hype-up video for later on. Then we had a Jericho and Tyson recap of last week. Jericho still wants Tyson. Tyson says the next time he sees Chris Jericho, he's going to get his ass beat. So that was that. We have Jericho versus Cole Cabana. Sammy Guevara is singing Jericho's theme song like an absolute idiot. Uh, it was not even close to the words. It was just him, you know, being the bad guy. So I see it. But it, he was not even close. Like, I know the words. Like, he was not saying words. He's mumbling. Mumbling. Uh-oh. So, anyway, Jericho does applaud him, though, for his efforts in the ring. Uh, Jericho does get out with the win. More importantly, though, calls out Mike Tyson right after the match. Instead, he gets Orange Cassidy. Uh, he, Orange Cassidy rolls into the ring, puts Jericho's hands in his pockets. They stand there in shock and awe. Hager goes after him. Orange Cassidy gets away. He leans on the barricade, lifts his hands up, and his friends, the best friends, are there to lift him up over the barricade and get him out of trouble. Really quickly, we forgot to mention this on last week's episode. Did you see the homeless dude that was, like, right next to Mike Tyson the entire time? Like, right before Mike Tyson ripped off his shirt, the other dude ripped off his shirt? Like, the dude with, like, the eye makeup and, like, the gray slick back hair, white t-shirt? Yeah, he had, like, the real, like, the stains on it, right? Yeah. Who in the F was that guy? I would love to know. I, I was I like, no idea. oh, my God. Like, why is this dude walking with Mike Tyson? But who did you say Chris Jericho wrestled? Boom Boom Colt Cabana. Not oh. Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Those people are oh, wrong. I hate that. I noticed during the, his entrance, they say, Colt Boom Boom Cabana! Stupid Justin. Oh my god. Stupid Justin Roberts. I almost choked. But, um, oh man, it, the way he says it's it so awful. stupid, it's not even Justin Roberts. It's Dasha, whatever her name is. Oh, I didn't even know who that is. But, oh, oof, man. So, really quickly, to end off the first hour of NXT, we had a triple threat tag team match. Number one contendership. Oni Larkin and Danny Birch versus Undisputed Era, that being Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, in a mystery tag team. So, you know, Yui comes out, they do their own thing. They got a nice crispy boom. That was pretty nice. Um, and the mystery tag team ends up being Breezango. Nice to see them back. And I didn't take too many notes about this match. I said that Bobby Fish is screaming. He does this thing where he's on the outside of the ring. And he'll just talk trash the entire time. And it's loud enough that you're able to like comprehend what he's saying. And I love it. It makes Bobby stand out. And it's just fantastic. I love it. But then, you know, Fondango ends up getting back into the ring. Because, of course, you know, since he was the one out, he's got to get, you know, quote-unquote, the hot tag. He ends up beating up everybody. But then Oni Lorcan ends up getting in the ring, and he has the best hot tag in probably the entire business. He just goes nuts. Big dive onto everybody besides Danny Birch, which thankfully he did not dive onto him because I hate it when tag teams dive onto each other. It annoys the crap out of me. But then, as Bobby Fish and Roddy got into the ring working on some dude, Dexter Loomis is watching. And so... You know, it gets a little eerie and whatnot. And, oh, I forgot to mention this. So you know how I said Dexter Loomis was working on, like, a Bob Ross thing? He was just drawing? Yes. He ended up drawing himself driving a car with Undisputed Era in it. It looked a little cartoony. It wasn't a bad drawing. It actually looked pretty nice. But then, let me get straight to the finish. Fondango ends up pinning Bobby with a leaping lead drop off the top rope. Imperium end up coming out because those are obviously the number one contenders now. But then after they walk out, 
Rinku, Sarav, and Malcolm Bivens, who I love, come out, and they're, they're just all, you know, staring at each other. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, more TV time for Malcolm Bivens. Let's go. But that is how we end the first hour of NXT. Not too bad, but how did it end over there on AEW? Well, I think we just went past the first hour, but that's Oh, okay. right, right. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I, I believe it was a little before or after Chris Jericho and Boom Boom Colt Cabana's match. Not, not Boom Boom Colt Cabana. It's always Boom Boom Colt Cabana. Not to be you confused Colt with Boom Colt Boom Cabana. Not to be confused with Colt Boom Boom Cabana. There you go. Anyway, uh, after that, we had a segment with the greatest women's wrestler of all time, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She's on her road to recovery. And if you caught this, I mean, (laughs) I laughed out loud. She was doing her workouts in her wheelchair the entire time. No, I missed that. I didn't see that. She was pull like usually how you do a sled and you push and pull it. Yeah. She was pulling like a five pound weight and like pushing the wheelchair with the wheels. Oh man. She was like she was uh she was uh she was doing oh man. She was doing buys and tries with little like five pound weights under in between her fingers. Uh, you know, just like uh, Tony Giovanni made an appearance. So anytime Tony and uh and Britt do anything together, it's gold, comedy gold. Good comedy as to, you know, making the person look good for the character-wise, especially when Britt Baker is uh, the bad girl in AEW, of course. But after this, we had Big Swole versus Nyla Rose. Uh, This match was kind of long. Uh, Nyla wins with the Spinebuster sit-out powerbomb kind of deal. But more importantly, what happened after the match was Big Swole being interviewed by Tony. She, he mentioned how she was off for two months and how it was great for her to get back in the ring. Britt Baker, who was in a golf cart, who was on top of a, in the back of a golf cart or kind of like a commercial truck, um, who, 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 well, she's seated in the wheelchair. So the wheelchair is actually on the back of the flatbed of a golf cart kind of deal, like a maintenance golf cart. Yeah, I caught a glimpse of this. She tells Rebel, her assistant, to back up the truck into the barricade, which was, like, kind of chaotic but kind of funny. And, you know, Swole gets a chair, and she's like, and Britt's like, you can't hurt me. I'm injured. Rebel, pull away. And she just, like, pulls, like, five feet away. But I thought it was, like, comedically perfect. Like, she only went, like, ten feet away, and she, like, stopped chasing after her. And obviously, she's in the wheelchair. And did you catch what the vehicle name was? Um, it was like a double R, right? It was a Rolls Royce, but R-O-L-L-S. How creative. Um, don't care. So it was a little ridiculous. So not as good as her stuff in the prior week. So definitely, unfortunately, not on my radar for wrestler of the night. But either way, still, Rip Baker. I mean, one of the only good things are right moments of AEW, that's for sure. She's always thinking, that's for sure. After this, we had a Darby Allen interview. Uh, he says one line, you know, uh, tone, I think it was Alex Marvez, Mr. Personality, Alex Marvez. Hey, Darby. Uh, <laughs> I think it might have been, I think it might have been Tony, actually. I lied there. Oh, oh, the Darby thing, that was Tony. It was Tony. My bad. My fault. Alex Marvez. You still have no personality. That's okay. Tony asked him, you know, the doctors won't let you go. How do you feel? He says, life is a big joke, but for Brian Cage, I'll get the last laugh. See, you don't, need, you don't need to be so long. You don't need to be so thought out. All it takes is one line. Less is more. That's it. Less is more. See, someone listened in wrestling school. I never been to wrestling school. Although I did go to a William Regal seminar. That's a different story, though. Different story. And I'll go one more segment. Uh, we'll do okay. the FTR interview. Uh, they were interviewed by none other than Tony Schiavone, of course, getting all the spotlight here. I think they were in the Jaguars office space or front office. So it's yep. kind of a weird setting. Uh, he asked them about what FTR means. They said FTR is a lifestyle. It doesn't mean anything. It means whatever they want it to. 
but for being an AEW, it means for the revolution, is what they said. Tony asked them, you know, how about the tag team division? What do you think? And they go on to talk about the Young Bucks. And they said the Young Bucks match isn't on their dream match radar. Uh, I call BS. Which I don't know why. And then they go on to talk about the Butcher and the Blade and why they didn't attack the Young Bucks. They said, God forbid, if they got hurt, they wouldn't want to be compared to, you know, if if the FTR was this, then the Young Bucks would have been this with a healthy back or whatever they said. So they didn't, bottom line, they didn't want the Young Bucks to be hurt, which I guess is kind of okay. But for them to say their dream match is not on their radar, which is a little weird. Then the interview ends. Tony said, I thought the FTR meant F the revival, I can only assume. And they said, no, no, that was only a joke. But it actually did. But that's okay. But I guess the Butcher and the Blade were listening the whole time as they are, they are upstairs and they start to come down the stairs. They're yelling. They're throwing stuff. Then a, a, a pack of wrestlers out of nowhere come to separate the two teams. And we set up for FTR versus Butcher and the Blade for next week on Dynamite. And uh, while we're here, uh, I'll preview everything for next week and then I'll stop before I get into the main event, which was definitely good, definitely worth a watch. Uh, FTR versus the Butcher and the Blade will be next week. Mark Quinn will face the winner of the TNT Championship match for the TNT Championship next week, which... Wait, just Mark Quinn? I I don't know what he did to earn that shot, but that's okay. We'll see the Inner Circle take on Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. Uh, Yawn. Uh, There's (laughs) one more match that I missed, but then there will be a John Moxley match on AEW Dark. Which <laughs> you're gonna have your AEW World Champion on a free episode of YouTube? Oh my God! What are they yeah. doing? But uh, uh, my mistake. One more segment here. Colcabana was interviewed by Alex Marvez, Mister Personality. He's talking about how his record is great in AEW. Very emotional segment. Very emotional interview. But he says he just can't win those big wins. Talking about the one against Lance Archer and then the one tonight against Chris Jericho. But the Dark Order walks in. Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, offers him food for thought about joining the Dark Order. He said, and I quote, Coco Mana, I'm not into stuff like that. But definitely was thinking about it. But here is where we stop for the main event, which was very good, I mind you. The main event was? Wait, uh, give me a little preview of what the main event is. Just tell me who's in it. Cody, the TNT champion versus Jungle Boy, the young, hot upstart. Oh. Okay, I'm going to try to speed through this as quickly as I can, but efficiently. We get a little video of Chelsea Green and Robert Stone in an interview from last week. And they didn't show it last week, but... They showed it this week. Chelsea Green ends up firing Robert Stone, which you believe Chelsea Green was going to get called up sometime soon. This might be a little indicator that it might happen. But then we just get a match. Oh, yep. I'll let you. Yep. I I can only think from here that I think Rob Stone will probably be wrestling after this. No, because... Let me get into the next match that we had. We oh, had Santana Garrett versus Aaliyah. And, you know, Aaliyah's just firing down on Santana Garrett. And Robert Stone ends up coming out. And he looks, like, really somewhat depressed. Like, he didn't look like himself. You know, his hair was all wacky. He didn't have the glasses. Looks somewhat unprofessional. And really quick match. But then Santana ends up pinning Aaliyah with a back handspring moonsault. And I sort of like Santana Garrett. I haven't seen much of her, but she's not all that bad. I mean, I know she's been on Raw a couple times and NXT a couple times, but she seems A-OK to me. I I can't put a face to Santana Garrett right now. She's the one that has, like, the really colorful, like, she wrestled Bianca Belair, like, a couple weeks ago. She's got, like, the red hair. It's okay if you don't know her. Okay, let me just get into the next thing. Thank Prime you. target. Io Shirai, Charlotte Flair, and Rhea Ripley in your house. 
I'm just going to dumb it down because this is what I did. EO will become champion. By the way, the videos that they did for this was amazing because she was like underwater while she was doing this. It looked so freaking cool. Then we get to Rhea Ripley. And it's just Rhea has been having a tough 2020, as have we all. But then Amen. We get in, Amen, yeah. sister. Then we get into Charlotte, and NXT is home to Charlotte Flair. Next. Wrong. This? That's false. Fake news. She's on every show. How is that home? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's pretty much like, you know, like in the divorce settlement, like she gets to see, you know, her mom and her dad, but like the days alternate. It's sort of like that. <laughs> but then we get some grime time, Cameron Grimes, against Bronson Reed. And I was actually pretty excited for this match. I really do like Bronson Reed. I really do like Cameron Grimes. This match was okay. It was quick. Uh, Bronson Reed climbed to the top, missed the big splash, and then Grimes ends up pinning Bronson Reed with what they call the cave-in. It's just the double stomp that he's been doing. But then we get Karrion Cross and Scarlet. Scarlet's on the outside. Karrion Cross is in the ring. By the way, we did not get music for this, and that might come as a surprise to you because I know how much you hate it. He just ends up taking out Bronson Reed, does a big suplex, and tells Tommaso Ciampa, tick-tock. That is how we end that. Come back from commercial. They announce that it, in your house, it's going to be Shotty Blackheart, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim against Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, and Candice LeRae. And I don't know how to feel about that match. I think it's going to be a cluster I don't think it's going to be all that great. But, you know, you got some semi-good wrestlers in there. You got Tegan. You got Dakota. You got Candice. Raquel's okay. Uh, Mia and Shotzi, just not a fan of. But I think it's going to be an overall okay match. But this is when we get into the main event, which I got to talk a little bit to you about this, that I loved. But I'll let you talk about Cody and Jungle Boy. That. Six man, a six woman match. I mean, ugh, uh, I might no for to, me, dog. I think that might be a snack break. That's for sure. We get into the main event. Cody and Jungle Boy, just fantastic display of wrestling back and forth for the first half of the match, at least. Uh, Cody runs, uh, gets thrown into the wall. He goes off camera. Then we get Jungle Boy and MJF jawing off at each other. MJF says he knows that he's better than him. Not his usual tagline, but it was just that he knows he's better than Jungle Boy. And he said there's no reason why MJF, MJF said, there's no reason why Jungle Boy should be getting a title shot before him. Justifiably so. MJF is undefeated and has not one title shot to show for it. But anyway, so we go back to Cody and guess what? He runs in after being ran into the wall. Guess what happened? What happened? He's bleeding. Wouldn't you know, Cody Rhodes is bleeding. What else is Uh-oh. new? Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, helps out with storytelling, that's for sure. I mean, uh, quote-unquote, the hard way, uh, Cody Rhodes is known to do it both ways. So who really knows what happened? Whether or not he hit it, I doubt it. But Cody likes to uh, get a little color, as they say. Um, Can um. I say that? Well, you already did. There's no taking it back. But really quick, we promised that we would make it under an hour. We got to go, 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 go. Okay. I'll read all my notes really quick. Trading shots on the top turnbuckle. Jungle Boy and Cody go through the table that was moved earlier. Cody Uh brings him back in. They trade. Crossroads, one, two, three. Great match. Cody gets the win. How does Mark Quinn get the title shot next week? End of show. Oh, okay, okay. Drake Maverick, El Hijo del Fantasma for the Cruiserweight Championship. This match was really good. I was just soaking it in. I had a feeling that this was going to be Drake's last match. I didn't really expect him to win the Cruiserweight Championship. And I was right. El Hijo del Fantasma was working the back of Drake because earlier on he powerbombed him on the outside of the ring. Looked like it really hurt. Made a nice sound. Uh, El Hijo ends up pinning Drake with the Phantom Driver. And he is now our newly crowned Cruiserweight Champion. More notably that the goons that have been coming out in previous weeks try to come out and fight El Hijo. 
But then Drake ends up finding the moth. But then that's what distracted Drake hitting the Phantom Driver. Really good match. I would say it wasn't really good, but it was all right. But then, you know, Drake is just really upset. You know, that was his last WWE match. You know, the fans are chanting, thank you, Drake. Thank you, Drake. He's crying. He thanks the fans personally to the camera. Walks away. But then as he's walking back on the ramp, Triple H comes up from behind him. Uh, hugs him. Hands him a contract. Hands him a contract. Signs it right on the spot. And man, I wrote down in my notes that this has been my favorite storyline in years. That's how I'm going to end it. Did you chant you deserve it? No, God, no. I hate that chant. You know that. Did you chant this is awesome? No, but you know what I did chant? You deserve it. You know it. what I did chant? No, I chanted follow J&J Wrestling Podcast on Spotify. <laughs> you like how I just did that segue? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at J&J Wrestling Pod. But more notably, what would you rate AEW? One to ten, five being average. Uh, I think I've gone with this score a few times. The main event was great, but you can't just have one good wrestling match on the whole show. That's two hours. Yep. That's quote-unquote sports-based wrestling. 4.9, just below average. Ooh. So, yeah, average, if anything. Mine, a little over average because that ending really put it over the top. But that does not distract from the semi-decent stuff that happened throughout the show. So I'm going to give it a 6.8. 6. 6.8. 1.1 away from 6.9. Anyway. Yes, sir. Real quick, MVP of the night. I think it's pretty clear on your side. Oh, Drake. Drake Maverick signed his new WWE deal. Uh, he probably was never released, probably just for load. That's okay. I'm for load, too. Uh, shout out to unemployment. That's okay. We're coming <laughs> back soon. Uh, MVP of the night on AEW. Oh, man. There's not a ton to choose from. You know, I'm going to go Jungle Boy. You know okay. He continues. He continues to prove he can hang. Just one day he'll get that big W. So when it will come, I don't really know. He's getting there, though. I think that they can build him as a star. He can be... I don't think he'll be in the category of he'll be under the category of uh, I want to say John Cena-esque, but he'll be like a, a tier or two or three down from a John Cena-esque. I would not say John Cena. I would not go that high, but that's why that I said how... a tier or two or three down. Okay, but that is how we're going to end. Our AEW and NXT reviews. Oof, that was a lot to unpack. I don't think we did it under an hour, did we? 53 minutes. 53 oh. one minute. 53 oh, three see, on our call, Four, it goes five, for one hour and six. two minutes. Yeah, I do it when I start recording. Oh, okay. Man, I, so we didn't really need to rush all that, uh, all that much then, right? Well, if we, it was only the end, so I mean, it wasn't that bad. Any other uh, wrestling news real quick? Um, While we have six minutes? Some no, uh, no, not that how, I can think of. How about the buckle bomb being banned, quote-unquote? Oh, yeah, I completely agree with it. It is highly, I, don't, I hate to use wrestling terminology, but it's highly unsafe. Your neck gets whipped back, and there's just, it's like, it's not good for your neck at all. And so many wrestlers are notorious for having pain in their necks. Not exactly from this move, but it's just super dangerous. There's no point. It doesn't really make a good sound. Like, you know how, like, I don't know, when John Cena hit the attitude adjustment, it made a good sound because, you know, it's like hitting the mat and everything like that. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, you just hit a splat on the mat. You know, you get the recoil from the, the, the ring. Yeah, but from like the buckles, all you really hear is like a like a chain sound. That's all you really hear from it. So it doesn't sound all that like, oh my god, that hurts. But for like for you not to have really that much control of your neck and to be thrown into the turnbuckle on the top one matter of fact, so you have more like I don't know, whiplash you could call it. 
I just think it's highly dangerous. I'm glad that they got rid of it. Um, I, I mean, the, there's not much else to say about it. Yeah, it, it's one thing to... There's no real way to brace yourself other than tensing up your neck, which is equally as bad as, you know, just taking the move and letting your neck flop around. I agree. So it's dangerous. I mean, is it as dangerous as a pile driver? I don't know. No, no. I don't. People want to do a pile driver right. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but. Chris Hero has one of my favorite pile drivers because all he did, he used to do it in PWG a lot. I know there's one clip of him. I believe he did it to Nick Jackson and he went to pick him up for like the pile driver, but he didn't pick him all the way up. He picked him up to like where his legs were just like, you know, standing out and then he just dropped him. But it's not like it's really hitting your head. It's more like, you know, you got your hands right there so you can push back if anything. He has one of the better pile drivers that I've seen, but I also haven't seen a lot of pile drivers, you know, I don't know how to word it, but like now I don't see too much of them. The only ones that I really do see are the ones on AEW that I think Trent or Chuck Taylor do. Other than that, um, I don't think it's anywhere close to, you know, how the pile driver is as bad, if not worse than the um the buckle bomb because I think that's way worse. Yeah, and it might not be a great example. I'm just trying to get it for as a scale as to safety wise. But you know, a pile. Oh, driver, okay, that makes if, sense. Yeah, a pile driver if it's done successfully, you know, there's no problem. You you have room to push off. You know, there's room there's room to move. Well, there's not a ton of room to move, but there's room for movement where you can you know brace yourself for a land. The buckle bomb. You could be thrown anywhere, and you, you get the whiplash. You, you could land a, a bad spot on your back. I mean, I know the turnbuckle have pads for a reason, but, you know, you hit one bad spot in your back, then you're done, you know, whether it be your neck, your back, your vertebrae, your spine. There's just a lot at risk there, and I think it, rightfully so. They allegedly ban it, whether or not they actually have, just because Nia Jax kind of, Moved up on one. That's okay. Yeah, but with Kyrie. Yeah, poor Kyrie. All right. Anything oh, you gotta say? <laughs> yeah, one thing. Uh, Owen Hart documentary uh, top the Benoit uh, two part series is the most watched. Wow. Uh, um, I th- uh, most watched you know show on Vice, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you know the numbers for it or no? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it broke the Benoit uh, uh, two-part. That's shocking to me. I didn't I, – because obviously the Benoit story is super notorious because it was somewhat recent. I mean, the Owen happened, I think, 1999. Yeah. But, um, yep. you know, like Benoit, of course, being a more recent thing, I thought for sure. But, uh, you know, man, I didn't expect it to, you know – because I I hate the rating system. Like, I hate... Wrestling fans are the only people that care about, you know, how many people watched it. So, like, Jaworski, what's your favorite show? Mm. This is taking way too long. Just I mean, tell me my, a show my, you watch. My favorite show to watch is Impractical Jokers. Okay, Impractical Jokers. Do you ever think to yourself after you watch it, man, I wonder what the ratings for that was? No, because exactly. no one cares about ratings for Impractical Jokers, except for the Impractical Jokers. No, except for wrestling fans. Wrestling fans are the only people that ever care about the numbers that they were able to draw. Why is that? Does it even really matter at this point? Yeah, sure, they drastically changed. But, like, who cares? Like... I get that the the war going on with AEW and NXT, if you can even call it that, like I get why people might care about it, but why do you care about the ratings for Raw or SmackDown? It just doesn't make sense. That's a little thing that I've had to get off my chest. It just doesn't make sense why wrestling fans are the only people that care about how many viewers they had. No, but it's very nice to see that something outside of wrestling, you know, 
one-on-one tag teams in the ring, you know, telling these stories. It's exciting to see that, you know, more people are, are, are seeing these documentaries. And I think that's fantastic. And, you yes. know, they com- they actually commented on a season three, you know, saying that they're not, they would love to vice seems to be open, but they're not sure what the future of TV will be with everything going on because they noted that they wanted to go and do stories over in Japan as well. So, Season three seems seems like it's a possibility, but uh, it's up in the air as of right now with everything going on. So I hope there's a season three. There's so many more stories that I know that I want to hear. And there's a lot of stories that I don't know that what I would love to know. about. Yeah, I'm trying to think of stories from Japan you could do. The uh, the one that's most notably to me is uh, Masawa. Have you ever heard that story? He like passed away in the rain. We can tell that another day, though. Because I think oh, oh, well, I just spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, well, now I don't even need to know it. No, but um, Masao was a fantastic, like, crazy, crazy good wrestler. He actually uh, wrestled Samoa Joe, uh, like, later in his career. But he was just phenomenal. And then he ended up passing away tragically from a certain move. I think it was off the top rope. But um, it, it's just super sad. I think that's a story that they could do, you know, from Japan. I can't really think of anything else at the moment, but uh, I can't wait f- for there to be a season three because obviously it's going to happen. I sure hope so, but we appreciate everybody continuing to listen to season one of the J&J Wrestling Podcast, of course. I have been, <laughs> uh, bleh, I have been your host, uh, Alex Jaworski, joined, as always, by my good pal, Justin Carroll. We will yes, see sir. you all on Saturday for our review of Friday Night SmackDown and our gimmicks of the week. See you then. Hey, later.